The Coaching You Podcast is presented by Huddle Basketball and Huddle Assist, your best solution to capture and analyze every aspect of the game from the first tip to the final buzzer. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You Podcast presented by Huddle and Huddle Assist. Today, we have a phenomenal guest, Rashawn Berno, the Associate Head Coach at Arizona State. What you're going to hear today is one of the top assistants in the country talk about things that we really never get to talk about here and things, the lessons that he's learned from some of the people that he's played for. He's played for one of the greatest Hall of Famers and a real close friend of mine, Bob Hurley Sr. at St. Anthony's, you know, one of the greatest high school coaches in history. He worked under Billy Donovan at the University of Florida when they won 30 games in a row. Can you imagine that? Undefeated in the SEC, win the SEC tournament. Okay, and get to the final four. You know, but what he talks about a lot is about what I call the mental makeup of coaching, which I think when you, when you have talent or whether you don't have talent, it's the most important part of performance right now is the mental aspect. He's going to share with you things that have never been talked about on this podcast before. So after this timeout, we're going to come back and hear Rashawn Bruno. Prepare like the pros with the new FastDraw. FastDraw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. With FastDraw, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video and share with other coaches and your players in seconds. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content and resources through their blog and playbank, which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, to receive 10% off your next FastModel purchase. What a pleasure today to have another Jersey guy on, Rashawn Berno, the Associate Head Coach at Arizona State. I was going to say, my homie, how are you? How is it going? I'm doing well, man. It is so good. I love talking to Jersey guys. Love it. Yeah, Jersey City. The streets of hard knocks there. We've learned a lot dealing in Jersey. And you know, obviously, from your background, how tough it is how tough it is being in that environment, but you it know, makes the best of us. Well, you know, you have one of my dearest friends in coaching, but you were coached by Bob's Hurley senior. Uh, obviously you work for his son now work with Bobby junior, but talk about the legend, huh? Because you talk about, you got your PhD in playing from the guy that's a PhD teacher and coach and Bob senior. Uh, what was it like? I can, cause I watch, I've been to practices. I've been to those little, the little gym with the practices and, and it was like a Marine boot camp, right? I mean, it's tough. The guy is a phenomenal coach. Talk about what it was like to play for him. Well, at the, when you're in the, in the storm, you really don't appreciate the life lessons that he's given you every day. Um, but, um, with that being said, he was probably the hardest person on me to just be accountable, to be disciplined in my actions day in and day out. Um, but just a phenomenal teacher, uh, in regards to life lessons, but also, uh, the basketball component was unbelievable. Uh, I think you mentioned PhD. Uh, he's probably the best teacher I've been around. Sure. Um, and he's one of the most passionate uh, persons, I've been, people I've been around in the sense of he cares. And he's going to push you to your max. Even when you don't want to get there, he's going to drag you there. And he's going to hold you accountable th- uh, throughout the process. So phenomenal person, um, heart as big as the world, but a demanding person. And he's not going to let you cut corners to success. So, Rashawn, you would also say that, um, and you know this, you know, having coached at a high level now for so many years is that, you know, especially as an assistant, you know, uh, and I had been one 98% of my career as an assistant in 50 years of coaching, let's say. And, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, you have to be a great assistant is you have to have great relationships with your players, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Bob Hurley, it was a master, I think, in relationships because of his 
his real job in you know outside of coaching was what this is he's a probation a, officer he's a probation officer he, you talk about someone that's going down there trying to help young people with their life he's like you know he reminds me of almost you know being going to saint anthony's almost like a priest that's you know trying to rescue kids right you know i mean he and to be a probation officer and then also a coach it's almost like it's incredible and I, I would sometimes come and see him, and he would just be coming from a case to the game. Uh, talk about how that all blended together. Well, I, I think he was a, a, a product of, 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 of his environment uh, growing up back um, in the 60s, 70s in Jersey City, you know, crime-ridden, tough, mm-hmm. gritty environment. And I think um, his, 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 his profession, he needed to be, you know, of uh, uh, jack of all trades in regards to he was dealing with people who just came out of the system, mm-hmm. who by and large trying to get themselves back on track to be productive citizens, and then on after that he had to go and mold young men who were vulnerable to the same trappings of people that he was dealing with. You know, for the first eight hours of his day. So he was bringing real life lessons and experience from dealing with people who were just coming out of prison. And he's trying to teach us the game of basketball, not just to win games, but to win life. And when you're 16, 17, or even younger, you, you, you really don't understand the lessons and why he was so demanded. But he had a bird's eye view of what life could be if you make the bad decisions, if, if you make you know, poor decisions in the company you keep, uh, you know, how it can derail your life and and give you a life full of hardship. And so he was doing a phenomenal juggling act of, I can see your future if you go down this path. I also can see your future if you listen Mm -hmm. to me and what I'm trying to teach you. And so um, it it was, as I got older and away from him, I started to understand and appreciate him even more because of the dichotomy of what he was trying to get done. It's uh, it's a fascinating story to watch and be a part of and then to remove myself as I got an adult and start to see like how impactful this man was, not just for me, but just for the city itself. You know, uh, you know, it's been said that, uh, you know, a coach is the most influential figure in a young person's life. And that's what I love about our profession. And that's why you cherish it. And every one of us that are in the profession do. But this guy, the impact of people's lives, forget basketball, uh, coming out of Jersey City because it was a rough, rough time, you know, at, at, at that time, you know, there and not that it's different now. But, I, you know, you know, you know, nowadays, you know, kids are pretty slick and they, they, they kind of come in. Sometimes you say, hey, why didn't you do that? And they'll give you a story. You can't give that man a story. Absolutely. You can't. You ain't gonna pull no shit over on him. That's for damn sure. You know, because he sees right through it. Because he's used to that with the people coming in. Say, Why didn't you take your drug test at the probation guy? And, uh, oh, you know, I had. I lost my. You know, no, you ain't doing that to him. I, I love it. I can only imagine what a, what a thrill it must have been to play for him. What uh, from a basketball standpoint. Uh, I just want to touch on this before we get to junior. Uh, when when you played for him. People don't realize, and and this is we we have people all over the world that listen to these Rashawn. And the, and the thing about it, Bob Hurley Senior won twenty seven state championships, right? Over a thousand games, you know, national championships when you were playing for him, right? Or, yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and and New Jersey basketball for the outsiders was phenomenal basketball. I mean, incredible basketball, as good as it is in the country, right? Yes. And so what was his emphasis as a coach? And the facilities that you had to practice in, no offense, were as rough as any in the country compared to what we see nowadays. Some of the kids have these beautiful gyms to practice in. You guys practice in what kind of place? It was a bingo hall, believe it or not. And then we actually practiced in local uh, grade schools. Uh, We didn't have a gym. Um, You had to, you know, fold up chairs and put our tables away uh, for the bingo uh, games during the weekend. But it it lent to who Hurley was as a coach and as a person Mm -hmm. and the environment in which we were in. And so the story, the legend of this small Catholic school in downtown Jersey City that 
you know, house 250 student athletes, I mean, student athletes and some co-eds, um, was to, for it to reach its height, a gym wouldn't have been fit into the story. Right. And so we, we played 90% of our games on the road, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, as a coach, you, you build character going through adversity and being on the road and, and taking someone's best shot night in and night out will help the process. Um, but just his, his, his style of play was all about discipline. And that, that word rings out even to this day. Like I can still hear him as a freshman telling, you know, guys about discipline and yelling discipline constantly. <laughs> and, you know, so those lessons practice was unbelievably competitive because you're playing with, you know, seven or eight other division one players and we're all vying for his attention. And the only way you can get his attention is, is, is to be disciplined and do everything right. And so like the, the environment in which you, you were growing up in was, it was unbelievable because steel sharp and steel where we're from. Yeah. And so you're playing against guys who are like-minded and you're competing at a high level and so when we went into games, that was actually easy because no program was going to go through what we went through from Monday to, to Thursday to play on Friday from mental uh, competition to the physical. So we were, we were, you know, Friday, Saturday was like days off for us because we were so mentally prepared to go to war every day. And that's what it was with him. It was mental warfare because he's going to challenge you. He's going to mentally push you to your brink and see if you can handle it because that's what Jersey City was about. Sure. If you're not making the right decisions off the court, there's no way you're going to make the right decisions on the court. Well, it's rotational blockout, making a proper read, hustling, being on time for pick and roll coverage, being on time for game plan. And if you can't go to class on time and you can't make the right decisions off the court, how can you make the right? How can I trust you to do the right thing on the court, which is, was a part of his program standards. That's powerful. That is so powerful. The art of coaching. Boy, oh boy, that is fabulous. You made a decision to go to DePaul uh, and play for Pat Kennedy, another Jersey guy, right? And and uh, and played 120 games there. Uh, you know, you know. Talk about DePaul. DePaul was a good basketball school at that point, right? You know, and the Conference USA team, but which was a great conference at that time. Wow, it's a big East. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> You know, it's Memphis and it's all kinds of great programs, Cincinnati, et cetera, right? We're all there. Uh, fabulous teams. Uh, what was it like to go to, from Jersey City now to Chicago for you? It was, honestly, it was a great opportunity. Um, I knew being a Jersey City guy, I wanted to go to a city school. Um, I'm just bred that way. Um, I like concrete, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be around big buildings. Uh, I didn't want to go to a college town. Um, I cut my teeth in, in, in the city of Jersey City, so I wanted to feel that environment around me. Um, DePaul was a situation where I felt comfortable not only with Pat Kennedy, but his, his nephew, uh, Brian Kennedy, who's now the head coach at NJIT. Yeah, no, Brian. Uh, yep. I grew up going to the you know, hoop group yep. and the Kennedy's basketball camps. And so okay. I started to form an unbelievable relationship with Brian Kennedy and Brian uh, first year at DePaul when Pat got the job, he reached out um, and, 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 and said, Hey man, I just took this job. I really want you to come be my first recruit. Wow. And for me, it wasn't about DePaul per se. It was more at the end of the day, someone I can trust. Um, the beauty of going to St. Anthony's is you're around a lot of guys who currently in college and a lot of guys who, who, who went to college that you had access to. And so you kind of heard the horror stories, uh, some good, some bad, some ugly on not having someone they can trust. And especially when you're going away from home, you want to be familiar with someone who can help you uh, go through some adversity because obviously that's a part of college. It's a part of life. And I had a, I, I started to develop a real uh, friendship with Brian Kennedy. And I would I would say that's probably the number one reason, along with being in the city, that I, I chose DePaul over some other options. He's a good coach, and uh, he's got a nice little program there at NJIT. Yeah. yeah, better person, better person. Wow, that's great. That's great to hear. Uh, when did you know you wanted to be a coach? Um, early on, um, I've always had an appreciation for the game. Um, for me, um, coaching 
Uh, the basketball stuff is phenomenal. It's, 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 you know, something that you can use as a vehicle to get young men, um, to where they want to go. But for me, I, I just wanted to help people and it came natural, you know, being in the gym, watching a ton of film, being a student in the game, uh, being around coach Hurley, um, senior, I knew I wanted to be a coach because I, I saw the impact he had. And then, you know, just being in college and saying, you know, what's the next chapter of my life? What do I want to do? And it always went back to like, hey, man, I, I, I know I want to coach. And I knew that probably on uh, my senior year in high school that this was going to be a career path for me. We're going to take a quick time out. We're going to come back with Coach Berno in one minute. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Hi, this is Brendan Sir. I'm talking to coaches, PE teachers, ADs, and camp directors because I'm so excited to announce our newest Coaching You podcast partnership with my friends from 360 Hoops. What if I told you that I've witnessed the most innovative game, training, and exercise for kids that I've seen in decades? 360 Hoops takes up less space than traditional basketball and allows for more players to get involved in developing their basketball fundamentals. The three-sided basket is attached to wheels for easy transportation and can adjust from 7 to 10 feet. The uses are endless, from elementary and middle school recess to physical education class that can also be used for team practice and skill development training for teams with players of all ages. For more information, visit www.play360hoops.com. To learn more about this new innovative product, make sure you mention Coaching You for a 10% discount. So you know you want to help people. You know you want to be a coach. Rashawn, you you get a break to come into college coaching. How did that evolve? Well, I was a high school coach first, running uh, at Marmion Academy outside of uh, outside of Aurora. Um, and, you know, I, I did that for about four years. Loved the opportunity. Um, was working in the finance world at uh, Morgan Stanley uh, and part-time coaching. Um, and then we did a documentary called the street stops here. Um, and I was watching, um, there was a TV show on MTV called Friday night lights. And, uh, I watched the episode and I'm saying, Hey man, St. Anthony's story is a lot more compelling than a football school in Texas. And so that sparked my interest to, uh, reach out to a friend of mine who, uh, did a, a documentary on my college team years prior. And I made a connection with uh, coach Hurley and, and Jay Sharma from teamworks media. And that allowed me to get back to Jersey city to start watching practice at, at the high school level uh, with, with, with St. Anthony's. And we were fortunate to follow one of his national championship teams in 07. And at the time the high school thing was cool and it was fun. And I was helping a lot of kids and I said, you know what? I, I never really thought about coaching college. 
until being around Mike Rosario and those guys. And so who played at St. Anthony's and ended up playing for Billy Donovan at uh, UF, uh, coaching for a year. So long story short, Pat Kennedy gives me a call the summer and said, hey, I, I got an opening. Would you be interested? And I was still reluctant because I made a commitment to, you know, the high school. But um, I, I felt like if there was an opportunity to get in, um, take it. And so I did a year with uh, Coach Kennedy, my, my uh, former college coach. Um, it was a unbelievable learning experience because I had no experience as a college coach. Sure. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot about preparation. I learned a lot about scouting, recruiting, um, working with administrators. I learned just the whole gamut and what it takes to be successful to turn a program around. So it was probably one of my my best years from a learning experience um, because we went through a lot of losing. And a lot of people you know, may not view losing as a learning experience, but I'm one of the people who do. So it was, it was a phenomenal experience, the one year at Towson. So now uh, from Towson, you go to Manhattan College with Steve Masiello? Yes. Now, Coach was, Mass is like a I'm Coach sorry. Patino disciple, right? Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different experience. <laughs> a disciple is probably a kind word, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Mass is a, is a terrific coach. Uh, what was that? And now you're back really in the in the New York metro area where you're really comfortable and stuff. And he had good teams, right, at Manhattan at that time? Yeah, we, we took over for um, uh, Slice, um, who got who was who was fired the year prior, yeah, right? And so we took over a total rebuild. But uh, coach left some good players in the, in, in the program: George Beeman, Ramel Lloyd. We had some really good prospects in the program, and Massiello, uh, coming from Coach P, Coach Patino, uh, was with him for about eight years at the time. Right, brought in a, brought in just a, the winning culture, um, practice habits, you know, game prep, um, just playing hard. And we actually, the one year I was there, we went from the worst to the best turnaround in college sports. Wow. For college basketball that season. Um, so learned a lot. Learned, you know, um, from, you know, a disciple of Coach Patino who was one of the best to ever do it um, in regards to coaching. So I learned a lot of, you know, what goes into winning from the mental aspect, um, you know, schematically, how do you scout a game? How do you take tendencies away? How do you prep for games? So it, it was an unbelievable, unbelievable experience for me. And, you know, I'm on my way after that. So it, it, it was it was one of the, you know, the, the bright spots of my early career, working with Mass and being able to go from losing at Towson and then taking over a program and having the largest turnaround in college basketball that season was a ph- phenomenal experience. So how does the whole relationship with Billy Donovan in Florida begin? Interesting story. Um, we played Billy twice, uh, Coach D twice when I was at DePaul. We beat him in Chicago at the United Center, and then we returned a game um, to Gainesville, and they beat us there. Okay. And so fast forward years later, I'm at a Nike coaching clinic. And at the time, I'm a high school coach, and Coach was giving a, a presentation on uh, the, the white press and some pick-and-roll concepts. And at the end of his his um, his his uh, presentation, he goes, "Well, if you guys need anything, call my uh, director of basketball operation, Darren Hertz." And he <laughs> and he gave Darren's number out. <laughs> I love it. So, and so, you know, I'm I'm from Jersey City. The worst thing you can say to me ever is no, right? But I, I'm never afraid to hear the word no. So I reached out to Darren. It's like, hey, I'm trying to get Coach Donovan's number. <laughs> And he goes, who? Who are you? And I go, Rashawn Burner. I played with him and told him the story. And, and he goes, damn, Billy gave my numbers. You're like the 20th person who reached <laughs> out to me today. I was wondering why everyone's calling me. And so we we started to develop a relationship. And then I wore him down and I got Billy's number. And then I just called Billy and I we just talked ball. And, and you have a phenomenal relationship with Coach D. You can, you can call him and have an opinion on anything and he'll listen. Yeah. And so we just talked ball. Um, and we just, you know, stayed in contact. And when I got fired, I reached out to him and said, Hey coach, I'm out of the game. We just got let go. Would you mind putting a word in for me with Steve Massiello? And he says, 
no problem. Call Coach Patino. Patino got to uh, Coach Massiello, and I would like to think that played a huge part in me getting a job. Sure, absolutely, yeah. So who who left Florida that opened up a spot for you? I'm trying to remember the staff. Uh, Norm Roberts. Okay. Oh, wow. How about that? Norm Roberts. Norm left. He had his uh, – Norm was there for a year, and Norm had the pleasure of coaching his son, who was a walk-on at Kansas. And I think, you know, obviously he worked for uh, Coach Self prior uh, to getting a St. John's job, and Norm felt like, hey, it was an unbelievable opportunity to go back um, to coach his son and then work work alongside of someone he had a, a previous relationship with. Right. So now you come down from Manhattan to Gainesville, Florida. No tall buildings there, brother. <laughs> no, and it gets a little uh, warm in the summer but, doesn't it i'm sorry <laughs> it gets a little warm in that summer doesn't it Woo! and you know too the coaching clinics the, <laughs> the august the heat the, oh my god the rainstorm you can book it at 12 o'clock <laughs> and you think the world's coming to an end and at one o'clock it's, it's about it's about 90 degrees yeah. <laughs> to 100 with, with humidity so uh, Gainesville was a lot different than the Chicago, Chicago, and then obviously the, the cold nights in Manhattan. So tell me about what B- Billy Donovan is one of my best friends. So tell me what it's like to go in there, and you're talking about one of the guys that has an incredible mindset to keep learning and growing, and t- you know this guy will talk basketball all day long, and you know talk about the learning that took place for you in your career at that point, probably. Wow. Um, I think Billy, his ability to get you to understand the basketball part is the easiest part of your job, right? It, it, it's it's the toughest part is how do you get young men to be vulnerable with each other, to trust each other, to, to go out and, and perform at a high level as a unit. Um, I, I was amazed at the amount of time that, that we worked on mindset of our guys and making sure that we're dealing with, you know, issues confronting it head on versus just letting it fester and become a problem. Um, Billy was probably the first person or coach I've been a part of and with who really cared about the mental aspect of the game more so than just the X's and O's and going out to get talent. Um, and I think that obviously through winning two national titles, uh, going back to back NIT, t- you know, tournaments with an enormous amount of talent gave him a different perspective on what goes into winning and how to sustain winning. And so when I got to Billy, he was really, really dialed in on trying to get these guys to perform at their max from a mental aspect, not just a physical and so I, it took me six months to really understand, like, how to be a unbelievable assistant coach for Billy Donovan because it was not just recruiting and it was not just basketball with him. It was it, he was really, really ahead of his time with mental health and pouring a lot of time and energy trying to to understand why kids make the decisions that they make and how do we fix them to not only win games but make these guys better people. And that's the, that's the one thing Billy Donovan is light years ahead of people that I know in this business because he really, really 100% cared and care for the people that play for him and work for him. So, Rashawn, uh, give me your coaching staff there at that time when you were there. John Pelfrey, Matt McCall, Mark Dagnall, and Darren Hurts. Okay, good. All right, when, when, what year was it for you uh, when you won 30 in a row? That was uh, 2014-15. Was that your second year there? Third year. Third year there. Okay. Now, really important because I was uh, doing some things with Billy at that time. Uh, what, really important. So college coaches, and tell me if this is not fair uh, to say, basketball, they get the opportunity to work with their players during the summer because, you know, players are in summer school. They can work them out for a couple hours a week. Uh, then as soon as they come back on campus to start full-time enrollment, you know, if you're not on the quarter system, let's say if you're in the, like the Eastern schools starting late August, as you did in Florida at the time, uh, you know, third week of August, you're back on campus. And guys are starting workouts at that point, okay? And then you don't, 
you know, as you started back then, the la- almost the last week of October, November is when we started games back then. It Correct. was later and later. You know, now we're moving it up and up. So now, all of a sudden, Billy, you know, we had, now we have, I think, 42 days to have 30 practices, right? Correct. And I remember this, and, and, and I'm sure you do too. Billy didn't start practice when you won 30 games in a row till three, you had three weeks of practice. You Correct. Yeah, he 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 went, and all he did was meetings to get his players' minds correct because they weren't where he needed them to be. Is that accurate? That's more than accurate. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and and I've never, you know, where everyone else is on the practice floor saying, "Hey, this is the most important thing." Just as you had mentioned earlier, his was just the opposite. Didn't matter about the physical practice; they weren't mentally ready to play. And then they, I think it was not his most talented team by any means. No. By, I mean, you know, and, you know, to go and win 18-0 and 0 in that freaking SEC conference, which is an amazing conference, and to go, you know, win 30 games in a row, it's hard to believe that you can do No, it, it, it was, Coach, it was, it was, I would take it a step further. Not only did we not do a normal, um, preseason uh-huh we didn't have a normal summer workout either really we rarely did anything physical during a during a summer where you can get four guys on a court and you can do some skill stuff like we we spent a not a lot of time uh walkthroughs and conversation team meetings where guys were being vulnerable and to to touch on your talent level right scott scotty wilbekin was maybe a top 100 and he came to school early Casey Prather was maybe 120 out of Tennessee. Uh, the only McDonald's All-American was Patrick Young. William Gett came from France, who went to prep school in his state. Mike Frazier was a top 120 recruit. Um, uh, the two McDonald's All-Americans we got weren't, they were rotational guys. Chris Walker didn't even play the year we went to the Final Four. Right. Um, and we had a kid, most people don't even remember. We had a kid by the name of Demontre Harris, who we took as a transfer the year prior from South Carolina, 6'11", 7'2", 7'3", wingspan, led the uh, SEC in shop locking while at South Carolina. He never played, even he was eligible. He never played on that Final Four team because he couldn't do and live up to the standards of what Billy Donovan set. Right, He's a 6'11", kid who, by and large, will help us. Because another rotational guy with size, experience, and talent to, to, to play and have a major impact. And he never played because he couldn't meet the standards that Billy set. So that team wasn't overly uh, talented, but they were probably the most connected team I've ever been a part of because of the stuff that Billy sought out and made a priority to the program. Our summer work was all mental. From September all the way up until, I would say, the end of October was all mental. So when we had adversity hit, whether we're losing at UConn at at the buzzer or Wisconsin because we had two starters out, that unit was connected, right? We knew some of the things that we can get better, but at the end of the day, like these guys had the right intentions. And so we ran off, I think it was 30-something games, and we won 21 in the SEC. Uh, the regular season and, and, and the conference tournament, tournament because wow, of right. everything we did from July on. And I, a lot of that was predicated. That team also lost two Elite Eight games two years prior or back-to-back years. And we had to figure out why. It wasn't the physical. It was the mental. And Billy understood that, and we worked at it, and we lost practice times because we were spending time meeting, getting everybody on the same page. And it was a phenomenal process to be a part of. Last thing before we take a break, I wanted to ask you this. You you use the word often, and I think it's one of the words that we don't use much in coaching, but it's one of the most important words, the word vulnerable. Talk about that and what what you mean by you know making those players vulnerable and, and, and why it's important if you could. Well, I think in our society and, and – and I'll, I'll use me as an example growing up. Like I was taught never to be vulnerable. That's a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, as a parent, 
I tell my kids not to trust anyone. When you leave my house, don't trust, don't talk to strangers. Don't trust this person. Don't trust that person. Right. And so now you take that, right. And you take these kids and most of the kids that we have, unfortunately come from single parent homes. Some parents are there, but they're working two jobs. And so in, in, in the communities that I grow up in, the communities that have kids that I've coached, trust is, 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 is a word that is seldom used when dealing with other people outside of your family members. Right. And so you take all those dynamics and then you put one basketball with 13 guys who have different aspirations, different goals, different standards, different backgrounds. And you want to play the ultimate game of trust. Right. And that is the most difficult thing you can do. And you can ask of any of these student athletes today because their whole life is consistent of not trusting people from their own personal experiences. Right. And so the one thing, Billy. And the rest of the staff, and it was primarily driven by Billy, is you have to be vulnerable in order to garner trust. And we spent hours in meetings and group sessions where guys were being vulnerable. Vulnerability is being okay to be wrong and being okay to let your guard down to show your student athletes, to show your teammate that everything isn't right with you. And some of the most impactful moments we've had in that on that team was held in, in, the, in the locker room where certain guys let their guard down and were vulnerable. And guys can now see what Rashawn Burno has gone through or is currently going through or Patrick Young or Scotty Wilbekin or et cetera, et cetera. And it really brought these guys together. And I'll share a story without giving out the kid's name. Sure. And one of the guys who's, you know, perceived to have it all and, and, and was, you know, the big man on campus um, got up and told the team, like, you guys don't know what it feels like to be me to go out and give it your all and it's not good enough to certain people. It's not good enough. And that really gave his teammates a different perspective on how to deal with him. Um, other guys got up and talked about parents putting them in vulnerable situations where it broke down trust and they don't trust people because of what they went through with family members. And so when that came up, now you have a different perspective and you have a face to what the problem is versus not dealing with it. The other thing that we did a tremendous job and yet again, driven by coach is without conflict, you can't have trust. If we all just went and said, everything is great when adversity hits, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Or no one was vulnerable enough to be wrong that no one's going to, you, it's really, it's really hard to garner that that trust that you that's going to be needed to win close games and so the term vulnerability was something that we express and we humanize ourselves because as a staff everyone probably thought coach donovan has it like perfect like he he's a head coach he's two national titles he's wanted by every nba team he's one of the best coaches ever to do it everything's perfect with coach donovan and the guy's got an opportunity to see that it that is not perfect he has doubt as well he goes through personal issues. And I think it, it it really, when he did it, it really allowed everyone else to say, you know what, if Coach Donovan can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And so we were really operating on a different level that super exceeded what we did on the court because we were a connected unit and we put a face to, you know, if if, if I'm being lazy, I'm letting Scotty Wilberkin down. If I don't want to get up and come in and watch film at 5 in the morning to get us ready, to play Alabama, I'm letting Dorian Finney-Smith down. We had an unbelievable, difficult childhood. And so that was one of the things that brought us closer mm. was everyone in that locker room was was man enough to be vulnerable enough with each other. And it garnered trust. And guys really bought into that. And it was a work in progress because it didn't start right away. It was something that over time we started to see the value in it. And coach was one of the driving forces behind it. You know, I know, I know. Uh, I, I took some of his ideas, and I'm going to end on this uh, for this segment. Uh, you know, we have a lot of players in the NBA and in college that don't have a male figure in their life, right? And uh, and and so that was a real problem. And then I've had a couple of NBA players that literally, when we had sessions with them, they had been uh, sexually abused by their male yes. a male figure in their life, not a father, but an uncle. Or someone 
and and the, and the player is like all world and mm-hmm. and but he had scars on him right you know mental scars and trust scars and relationship scars and but all we saw all fans saw was a guy that could make a shot anytime you want yes. and that's this is the essence of coaching i think of what we get a chance to do is really you know, we're in many cases. You know, we always say that they're family, and they're our second family. In many cases, we're, you know, at the college level, you can be their first family. In many cases, yeah. From in a, most cases, the only family. How about that? The only family, and then the other thing that it does, right? And we, and coach, you've been in many locker rooms where there's a there's a there's a there's a, a sense of uh, judgment, right? Like you have the guys who do it right, show up to class on time don't have any issues, low maintenance off the court, on the court. Right. And they tend to judge the problem people, right? Because they don't, they can't fathom why someone who has all that talent makes some of the poor decisions that he makes. And so they're not going to be disruptive to the team, but they're judging. And they don't understand that is bad also. Mm. So what that does, when you're vulnerable, yet again, if if I know what Scotty Wilberkin has gone through and what he's going through, I'm less likely to judge him. And uh, and that when you get a team full of guys who sit in that ivory tower and judge, you know, the perceived problem child's or the problem players on a team, that can erode trust. Good call. That can create clicks. And so the vulnerability works to eliminate that. So now there's no one in this circle, right, that can sit here and judge anyone. Because we don't, you don't know why such and such made those decisions. You don't know the battle scars that such and such is carrying with him from his childhood, from his AAU days, from his former team where he was, if he was a transfer. And so we try to really, really do that. And it is a difficult task because now you're asking young men who've, as I said earlier in this conversation, who've been told not to trust their whole lives, right? Don't be vulnerable. Don't. Don't cry. Don't show emotion. Be a right. man. Right? right. And Good and call. what we're trying to do is win games at the highest level. We got to break that barrier down. It's okay to be vulnerable because this is your teammate. It's okay to, 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 to try to trust someone outside of your family members because you're going to need to trust someone every day when you play a team sport. This is not tennis. This is not wrestling. <laughs> this is a team sport. And so Coach Donovan was was light years ahead. And dealing with that and will sacrifice actual practice time because the practice doesn't matter if everyone's not in the right same frame of mind to go out and compete together. And that's where he's 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 one of the best to, to ever do it from that aspect. He gets that part of it. Yeah, no, I, I think that Rashawn, I, I've been doing this for a long time and I've had hundreds of people doing podcasts with so this is one of the most amazing uh, episodes I've ever had because of this topic, and I think it's incredible. We're going to take a quick time out, and we're and we're going to come back, and now we're going to shift to basketball. Fabulous! We'll be right back after this timeout. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including cl- complete team and player stats in less than twenty four hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like the line, like lineup data, VPS, and of course effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's H-U-D-L dot com slash assist to learn more. MindView is an amazing, amazing company that literally is just releasing a platform. They have developed an incredible assessment that we have just totally, totally been blown away with. Because on this assessment that you can take in a matter of 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes on your phone, The things that you've never been able to measure before, like resilience, grit, hope, adaptability, all these things, they are able to measure them as to how you're thinking and feeling right now. This is a game changer. 
as far as I'm concerned. I'm a strength finder guy. I love all that. But MindView is the latest technology. It is just literally coming on the market right now. The platform that they've created is second to none. The emphasis right now on your player's mental wellness is unprecedented. I'm sold on MindView. Now it's your turn. For more information about MindView, M-I-N-D-V-U-E, please contact the COO, Cleet McQuinn. His email is cmcquinn at mindview.com or visit their website at mindview.com. Rashawn Bruno, Arizona State Associate Head Coach. Talk about uh, Pac-12 basketball and uh, talk about the teams in that league and how tough a conference it is to play in. Well, it's a it's a competitive league. Um, I mean, the guys up at Oregon, um, I think, in my opinion, is one of the underrated coaches on all of college. Uh, Coach Oldman does a phenomenal job. He does it with different players. He does it with JUCOs. He does it with high school. He does it with high school All Americans. He does it with you know top you know seventy five guys. He he can coach his tail off, um, and he can coach in any league and win a lot of games. Right. Um, then you have, obviously, Sean Miller down in Arizona, phenomenal coach. Yep. Um, you know, Tad Boyle up in Colorado, underrated coach. Guys compete very hard. Um, so the league is very competitive. Um, so it, it, it's it's we don't get out just due because we're on the West Coast, and, yep. you know, we play mainly at 11 o'clock East Coast, so a lot of time people don't get to see our games. But uh, very competitive league, very fun, free-flowing offensive league. So, um I'm happy to be a part of this conference. Talk about uh, what you and Bobby Hurley have tried to do there as far as style of play and uh, the way you guys like to play. Well, when we first got here, um, my conversation with Coach Hurley was we got to get an identity that's going to be conducive to what players are going to want to come here. And it may not be our core core values, uh, in regards to how we want to play. But in order to turn this thing, we got to get people excited about us, about what we're doing, about about the style. And so we adapted Bobby's background, NBA. Sure. We wanted to play free-flowing. Fall- we wanted to play a crap load of pick and rolls. We wanted to give guys freedom for creativity. And I think we did that, and that allowed us to start to get better prospects um, because of his name, location, Pac-12, the great city um, with all the things, you know, we have everything a major city has uh, with great weather. And so it was more a a, a ploy to try to speed the curve up by starting with this, the brand of basketball and the style of play offensively. Where do you, when you, you know, you're both, (laughs) you're both, you know, Jersey city guys you have tremendous relationships back on the East Coast, you know. But to be successful out in the Pac-12, I, I would think you have to be able to get West Coast guys too, right? And not just East Coast guys. So how do you establish a recruiting base? We joked about it during the break. It's it's about relationships. Um, um, in this business, you can't let relationships, you know, get atrophy. you you got to constantly work them. Um, I'm fortunate, you know, working for Billy um, – which is, you know, obviously UF is a, is, a, is, a, is a national program, so I was able to do some West Coast recruiting. Um, but, it's it, you know, we just try to, you know, ask for people's uh, uh, business in regards to, hey, allow us to recruit your kids. This is what we're trying to get done. Um, but I also had an understanding of, listen, we're not going to get the top of the food chain, right? We're going to have to have an unbelievable evaluation uh, process, and then we're going to have to develop for the first two years. And if we do that, and we play hard, play together, and play a fun style of basketball, the recruiting aspect is going to pick up. And so one and two of our first two years, we just wanted to go out and compete, show that we got a fun style of play. I think we were second and third in the conference in scoring, and we were, I want to say, one and two in pace of play. And then in year three, that's when we're going to make our mark in year three. And so – that's the year that I think in year three we were number one in the country at one point. And we had Remy Martin, who's a West Coast guy. We got a guy by the name of Mickey Mitchell to transfer from Ohio State, who was, you know, uh, a national name. Kamani Lawrence, who's an East Coast kid. 
So we started to make our rounds and, and pluck off some really good prospects. But the but but by and large, the style of play and the development of our guys that we had in the program was was what got us off the ground. So talk about you know you know you know you guys are you know you're both you know obviously really good players you know Bobby you know was player of the year you know right right you know there you know in the seventh pick in the draft. What do you, every school try every college program? It's 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 almost laughable. They always say, "Oh, we have great player development here." <laughs> what makes your player development so unique? Well, it, it's just it's attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know Bobby's. If if anyone knows Coach Hurley, um, he's not the most athletic, or was it the most athletic or the biggest guard in the country? Right. Um, but it's also to this day he's still the all-time leading assist uh, point guard ever to play, and he's won three national titles and he's a lottery pick. So I think the number one thing is just getting into the gym. That's the I think that's that's foundation number one, and then you got to know what to to practice. Um, everything we do is game like. Everything that we emphasize is based on data. It's based on percentages is based on analytics and so we try to do some things because we're not going to invent the reinvent the wheel there's no drill that we have that someone does it but it's certain things that we emphasize that may be a little bit different than other programs um and then we work at it Uh, our guys throughout the course of the year get constantly better because our practice habits aren't just pick and roll coverage transition defense we do i want to say 20 to 25 minutes of individual instruction based within our practice hour and 45 to two hour practices so guys are constantly getting sharp staying sharp and still getting better throughout the course of the year but that's something that's a core principle for our program uh, and everyone does say hey man we got a great skill development program right okay, prove it right exactly and that and, that, and that's my point is that so when you guys uh if, when you're recruiting and how would you describe to a recruit uh or his mom and dad about the young man, what type of style of play? What are they going to see defensively from the Sun Devils? Well, well, we 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 switch one through four. I mean, mm-hmm. and we we down and corral ball screens. Uh, we're going to play aggressive. We play the white defense, the, the, the press defense that Billy sure. got from Coach Patino that Billy ran at, at UF. Um, we force turnovers. We were, I think, we were top twenty-five in the country the last two years. I want to say we lead the Pac-12 in, in, in turnovers. Uh, we want to play fast. Um, coach believes in playing fast on both sides of the ball. Um, and, you know, that's something that we, we preach to our guys and as athletes that we try to recruit are guys that can play in pace and space and guys that can make decisions uh, in transition. I think that's important for us. Um, if you want to go and play in a half-court style, ground and pound, let's say like Arizona was more controlled and that, that, then you're at the wrong space, uh, place. For us, we want guys to be able to play up and down to use, you know, creativity and athleticism. And then, you know, we build from there. So as a pro style offense, uh, you're obviously you're out on the break and stuff like that and running and things like that and shooting threes, but on a half court basis, a lot of pick and rolls, explain some of the pick and roll kind of ideas that you guys have developed. Well, we'll we'll go, we'll go single side. We'll go. We like to make bigs late. So we'll do a lot of 42, 52 where the guard screens down um, and, and, and sprint the the five into it with the guard filling in behind. Mm -hmm. Um, We try to more play out of concepts, a lot of get actions, um, a lot of dribble handoff, pin downs, um, a lot of flares. So we give our guys maybe three or four concepts and let them play. That's great. Um, a lot of times in college, like it's you, you, you scout, I scout. I can I can know someone's offense in, in two minutes just based on the continuity of what they're trying to do. Sure. I think the good teams, the Villanovas of the world, they play out of concepts. Very little, to, you know. Jay Wright can dictate where he wants the ball. Bobby Hurley can dictate where he wants the ball. But if we're trying to get our guys prepared for the next level, you got to give them the understanding and the IQ of how to play. And so we try to do things conceptually that help those guys take advantage of their skill set. You know, I think that's so important. What's next? Uh, not that I'm trying to get you to leave uh, Arizona State by any means, but what are your future aspirations? Well, I mean, like everybody, I would hope um, that's doing his job and putting the time and energy and, and time that takes away from my family. I, I want to I love to get an opportunity to run my own program. 
Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I'm extremely happy helping Bobby uh, continue uh, to build this thing. Um, but I have aspirations to be a head coach. Um, and so I'm just going to bide my time and, and hopefully make the best decision when that opportunity comes. So I want to ask you this question because uh, this is, again, as I told you before, phenomenally intriguing to me uh, and knowing you for as long as I have. What, what, you know, what is coaching to you? How you explain that? You know, you've done it now for really good people. You played for good people. You work for good people. What do you think coaching is? Your defi- definition. I would say invoking change in young men. Ooh. I, th- I think that that's, that's for me. That's that's why I get up, and that's why you know, as as I say, I, I take time away from my sons, and to to help other people's children become better. The basketball and Coach Hurley did it for me. Like I remember more about the life lessons from Coach Hurley than I do about practice or games. You know, one of the things that a coach told me a couple of years ago, you know, having done this for so long, you know, someone asked me the question about, you know, what's coaching? And I gave him some BS answer. And I, you know, and the guy said, I said, well, what's yours? And he said, it's taking players where they can't take themselves. And I said, can I use that? And he said, just give me credit once, and then it's yours. And so I'll give you permission. You know, and, and that's really what we do, whether you're Michael Jordan, Bob Hurley Jr. It doesn't matter. You know, we take players where they can't take themselves. That's why they need us. That's why kids need parents. You know, and, and I, there's no, uh, no profession, I don't think, other than coaching, where you can get that emotional fulfillment that you can get no, being a, I agree. a parent and coaching the same skill set i think you know i agree with you hey if you if coach early was phenomenal yeah senior he had I mean, you got to understand like i can't paint an accurate picture of just the, the type of individuals that he had to coach and deal with and at a second's notice they would be at the tip of his nose because of the respect that mm-hmm. they have for him and the hunger they wanted, the knowledge that he he provided, like Harden, like Harden, tough SOBs would be at yeah. the tip of his nose, ready for instructions, because that's the that's that's the impact that coaches have. Look at Michael Jordan, Dean Smith is his eye. Like, just listen to him tell stories of Dean. It had nothing to do about hitting a shot in '83 to win a national championship. It's about the life lessons. Yeah. Look, look, you listen to all the great coaches and how, how they've had tremendous impact. And it's mainly to do off the court. And the good coaches have that impact that that supersedes wins and losses. And you have some coaches who have great wins and loss record, but you probably can't get a player to, to say anything good about them. I think that's a problem. So for me, it's, it's about invoking change in young men. And when they leave your presence, you know that they're equipped to be successful, whether it's not just successful in returns in, in regards to being a pro, right? And I think that's a major issue with coaching, in my opinion, is like we need to redefine what success looks like. Yes. Success is being able to, to, to be able to provide for your family in a constructive manner, being able to be a productive citizen, being able to be you know, teachers, whatever, whatever the profession is, but being a very, very best at it. And, 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 and that's the importance of, of coaching today. It's all about, you know, how many contracts you got in the NBA like that. That's a byproduct of talent. I, I'm talking about really invoking change in young men that they're better people, not just better players, better people. And now they can go out and have a productive family and you break generational cycles so that that's the things that, I, you know, that, that matters to me more so than, you know, wins and losses. Rashawn Bruno, that is why you are one hell of a coach, brother. And uh, I'm so excited we did this today. And uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of the middle of your Pac-12 season to do this. And uh, and you, my friend, are going to make some university very, very uh, excited someday when you take over. And uh, I, I just wish you the best. And thank you so much in this incredible year of coaching, the toughest year in the history of basketball. Absolutely. Co- and college <laughs> or pro to coach. And you're part of it, my friend. And uh, I wish you and the Sun Devils the rest of luck this season. And uh, thanks again for joining us on Coaching You. Coach, I appreciate it. Thank you.
tell you what, my I I have goosebumps on my arms right now from uh, that episode. Uh, I love it. I, and you know, to our faithful listeners, I love it when I sit there and I learn and I get excited. And Rashawn Bruno is a very smart guy, and he's a hell of a coach. I mean, he he's he's done it, you know, as a player, as a coach. But more importantly, I you understand now why he's so good. He understands about the power of relationships. He understands about what is true. You know, our true calling is as a coach. And I think it's so important. You know, I always, you know, talk about at our clinics, you know, what's your why? And boy, he explained it so well. But anyway, t- till next week. I'm so excited. This is the coach, Brendan Sarah.